Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone, welcome to the Philly Brutes Rugby Roundtable. I didn't realise I was going to do it again, but then when you got two absolute gentlemen, one to come and have an argument about a tournament that doesn't quite exist yet, uh, you can't not say no. So um, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by the Rugby Journal's Alex Mead and the one and only broadcaster, Saturday night primetime television extraordinaire, my son's favourite game show, uh mr nick keith how are you gentlemen yeah very good mate very good yeah excellent thank you sean how are you uh I'm, yeah i'm good i'm good back in the saddle didn't realize i was going to be podcasting again or doing anything like this but you guys is, he, is the 18 month old down are we are we clear he is yeah he's asleep he's asleep in the next room um so I mean, in, fairness, have... in fairness your whole thing is about getting rugby players on pitches isn't it you've had nothing to do for the last 18 months you've just been setting your feet up and now at last your actual purpose work starts i've created a social network which we'll talk about later on down the line i've got my own social network it's called the book face. sorry it's called the book face yeah the book face yeah it's you can go and register now if you want at Philly Boot, FYB Rugby, <laughs> but we'll save that for another day. Uh, so today we're going to have a little chat about something that came out in the last 48, 72 hours, perhaps the World 12s, another another innovative format that World Rugby may or may not need. Um, it was announced the other day uh, to to some fanfare, I guess, um, and from their press release. A new World 12s rugby tournament launches, aiming to bring £250 million into the global game. Well, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, A brand new annual tournament targets new fans through innovative shortened format. Consultation with key global rugby stakeholders has begun. Players to be selected for eight franchise teams via auction. Very IPL. Uh, the inaugural tournament will be staged in, in England ahead of the 2022-23 uh, season with a women's tournament planned for 2023. So, gents, we'll just I guess we'll just start with what was the initial thought when you saw this come out from Neil Fizzler the other day and then it was announced 24 hours later. Alex, your initial thoughts? Before you even saw any press release, video. It's just, it's just, oh, it's the same again, isn't it? And like, I mean, it got the thing is, is even then, there's so many points, even on that thing. It's like, I want to pull apart every single element of it. But it, it's not even the game for me. It's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a back. I love like shortened versions of the game. I love sevens and I could even see rugby X. I like, I like the idea that, Rugby, I know a lot of people had a criticism, but I was like, this isn't for us. But I could see that the razzmatazz behind it, flashing lights, stuff like that. I could I totally see. I could totally see how my really son would it. like it. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could totally see it. And I think it's very hard. But whenever anything gets launched onto Twitter, and it did because someone fed Neil Fizz the information, and Fizz has got a certain audience, 
it's going to get pulled apart and maybe that's the reason they did it but then it shouldn't launch with no substance behind it do you know what it feels like you know when you get those emails that say win thousands of pounds it's got like really hot girls really this and that's what it feels like because if those players if you had a picture of redrada smith and uh bowden barrett you'd be like whoa okay get it if the franchises weren't the words franchise it would be the london bulls wearing a night kit with someone in you think okay that's cool if the two hundred fifty thousand was like mastercard you know if underneath it all it was like supported by world rugby you think yeah okay great but instead it feels literally some old guys in a pub think do you know what rugby needs or not in a pub they'd be like a private members guy maybe the exchange or somewhere i don't know and they'll be saying right what we need is another version yeah great well let's go through it let's work it out no 13 no can't no no 12 yeah that sort of works well how do we well my mate's got this what money my mate's got uh knows ian richie great let's get the fucking a team together and you have a bunch of 60 somethings coming together saying what the new generation of rugby fans who we don't know who they are um and they've not told us who they are which they should know because you don't launch a product without a market um, um and that's what they just put it out there with no substance and that is the issue it's not even the fact i probably i would like to ask i'm sure i would but i just don't think any of those guys there and even in richie who has got the background in communication but he's five years out of that job now and even then when you get to the ceo it doesn't mean you're the person who's got your finger on the pulse if they had launched and said what rugby needs is this if there was a video that said you know where why do we get nine million watching six nations or whatever it is and yet none of that tra or a fraction of that translates to the club game and it's because they they want the national rivalry okay well that's one thing you can bring in or it's because of the sense of occasion or it's the timing or whatever but there's nothing behind it and even just saying they've got the money yeah you know we can all do we've seen this in rugby so many times someone comes along how many clubs have had a mystery backer that's pulled out and i just wasn't i just wasn't convinced and i don't understand why they did it the way they did it other than someone actually did say, say to me on twitter about an american example where they did this there was no substance behind it but they did it to shake it up in the hope that if it got a positive reaction then they could get backers on board but i just feel they should know Twitter better than that and know that Twitter is occupied by people that isn't the target audience anyway, but will pull it, pull it apart before it even gets to the target audience. So it's about the approach. And a lot of this is with my marketing head on. So my actual day to day job is we've got a, an agency called Sporting Eric and we do marketing. And my background was a publicist. We would never launch a product to a client without saying, look, here's all the research that says about your client. This is what you should say. This is how you should say it. And it feels very basic. And we, yet rugby does this uh, time and again. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, even when Bristol went to change their name, I'm not saying it was perfect because they also did some poetry about bears. Didn't, do you remember? They sort of said the bear, emer which is probably works in a changing room, but does not work on Twitter with a load of folks talking about how the bear comes out of hibernation. But they did a really good document that said, we want to target Asia and America. This is what the bear means. This is where we're going. You're like, do you know what? That's a proper strategy. That is a plan. Who cares if, you know, X, Y, Z on Twitter doesn't like it. They're not the audience. But there was just none of it behind it, really. That was So, yeah, so it was, it was more from the strategic side for me and a bit of frustration of here we go again. And our lives are wasted. And 
I very rarely write blogs and stuff, but I really felt compelled because it really annoyed me about the way in which we keep doing it. And so much money must have got spent even on pulling those figures together for that slightly rubbish motion graphic that said nothing. <laughs> Before we pull it apart, Nick, what were sort of the initial thoughts from your side on another new format? Yeah, the case for the prosecution by Alex Mead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think certainly no money was spent on the logo. Um, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll certainly say that much. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I think there's, uh, I think there is a lot we don't know. I think there are question marks around where the investment's coming from or whatever. I think there is probably, Alex, I think you're, you're probably right. It probably not isn't a million miles away from presenting something that hasn't quite got all the investment necessarily and hasn't quite got all the interest. But if we come out of the woods and show at least as far as we've got to with the people on board, then it might generate some interest. So I, I, I don't, you know, I think while that is a sort of potentially cynical or, or interesting ploy, I think it, it probably is is a strategy in some senses that, that has some uh, opportunity for success. Um, I think, you know, for me, uh, firstly, the format of 12s initially, six and six, okay. Now, I think, as I said on Twitter, you've got you've got a 50-22 law that's in at the minute to try and drop wiggers into the backfield to support a fullback so that there's more room at the front of the field. You're effectively <coughs> creating a 12-on-12 12 12 scenario there uh, in the sort of middle third of a rugby field. I think... Yeah, I, I have to. I have to show my hand. I worked on the World Tens last year, uh, and uh, and potentially could could do again in the future if it if it makes its return. Uh, but uh, what I what I learned through that process and and being fairly close to the to the entrepreneurial investors who were behind it and hearing a lot of their their thinking um, is that rugby is a market absolutely desperately calling out to be disrupted. Uh, World Rugby have almost a monopoly on the game. It's not that they're just a, a governing body, but they're very quick to stop unions, new competitions coming up with, with ideas in some areas. And, uh, and so there are competitions. There, I, I'm aware of two or three other ideas waiting in the wings, whether it's you know women's stuff, men's stuff, shorter formats or whatever that that are trying to get their ducks in a row to to be able to come to market and some of them have a view on talking to world rugby and wanting to get their approval and making sure they're doing things right and others particularly where the world tens were concerned well you know they wrote they worked out that whatever a regulation rugby pitch is 80 meters to 100 meters well what if we make our 79 meters does that mean it's it's a it's a pitch in a truly rugby union sense. What if we change this rule and this rule? Well, actually, at what point does this become closer to rugby league's jurisdiction than than you know rugby unions and world rugby? So then, are you creating a different sport that you can then own, that you can then go to franchisees and people and players can step out of under the all powerful world rugby rugby union bubble and choose to come and play? Albeit it's the overball game that we do know and love and is effectively rugby, but but technically and perhaps legally steps outside of where someone might might have something to say about it i certainly loved martin cross's reaction on twitter that showed uh you know the picture of, of ian ritchie and said you know this is just the image and strategy to try and attract uh, new young people to the game i think we need to be careful when they talk about wanting to reach new fans as to how much of that is a, is a keenness to be getting Gen Z on board. I'm sure it is, and there is interest there, but, but they may have just as much interest in capturing everybody else 
who you know up to the age of 75 or whatever who has fallen out of love with how technical how pained on every ref decision and tmo rugby has become and actually would love to re-engage with a format that is a lot slicker that is a lot smoother that doesn't have as many scrum resets all of this kind of thing so while while i'm I'm not necessarily sure what a 12, whether a 12s game looks a whole lot different to 15s. I think losing a couple more players and, and going to 10s does start to allow more hybrid athletes onto the field. And therefore, you can change the spectacle and the speed of the game. Uh, I, I think I think there's there's probably some number crunching that has been done. There probably have been, you know, the likes of Ian Ritchie, Steve Chew, Gareth Davis, they're, they're not the sorts of people to to necessarily have, have been doing this on a punt. And I, and I dare say that they've had sufficient conversations about what the format could be. They have probably done, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with what Alex has suggested because I think part of it's probably right. They have probably gone to people uh, who may invest in this. But there are, and I know from the World Tens experience, there are massive global sporting stars from American sports, basketball, football, ev everywhere, who are really keen on any kind of market that wants to disrupt. The IPL is worth half a billion. Uh, rugby can't can't get close to the kind of numbers that they're trying to that that IPL can value itself at. If you can create a product that starts to get worldwide franchise investment you're capable of blowing our 15s game out of the water in terms of the investment, the money it can make. And and I, I do sense that there are quite a few people in the shadows wanting to come out and do it. Is this going to be the winner? I've no idea. It could be dead in the water in six months. I, I, I couldn't say. But I certainly don't meet it with the same amount of, of cynicism that everyone else has had because I'm, I'm aware that there are people that are very keen to, to disrupt this market and say, well, actually, we've got a product here we think can really work with investment, with some major backers on board, and they are going to throw NFL salaries at rugby players for the first time ever in, the, in, in their lives. And the, the, all, these, all the talk of, but the unions won't release them or the clubs won't release them, they won't have to. The players will jack that in. There won't be any interest in that side. And they'll go and play their last three, four years in this new competition absolutely line their boots and and be you know on on the world stage on on tv all over the world and if that could be where this goes and that is where the investment is then i i think that's really exciting i think this exact conversation could have happened in 1995 and that's everything you've just said is exactly the kerry packer story where even kerry packer whose name gets put next to it didn't really do much it was this one guy going around getting these players we had all the conversations every single like you know mike rare i think tommy was going to boston all these welsh guys were there and then the south africans ultimately signed for south africa and that ruined everything and it just that's why the cynicism exists and because this one doesn't have any more substance and it actually amazes me and the problem is you've also got a bunch of 60 year old white blokes coming out and saying we're going to launch the women next year, though. We're only going to do eight sides, but the one area of growth that we've currently got in rugby, um, we're not going to bother for another year because that's well, it, way is a world cup. it is a World Cup next year. So yeah, but then wait, then wait. So why try to why try to like jump ahead and steal the limelight from the Women's Rugby World Cup when you could wait a year, do it properly? Maybe when you've got a logo, maybe when you've got a sponsor, maybe you've got an idea, maybe you've got names of teams, maybe you've got some players. Maybe you've not just made a figure out of air. And like, you know, I I don't necessarily, I'm not entirely sure that guys who are retired wouldn't just get on board with an idea 
anyway because why not if you offer me enough cash and i'm 68 years old i'll put my name to something you know like <laughs> why not just to, just to, just to, un to ruffle a few feathers and i i think that's the thing and i think that's why it was so badly done because i made the point again also about about uh, richie that nobody knows who this guy is in the in the wider world he's just an old boy in a shirt holding a nondescript rugby ball um you know like i said it would have made a world of difference if all of that was tidy but i just it just feels like a massive pun and can i, I, think, can I, ask, I also don't know how dissolute the rugby game is declining at grassroots level with the men's etc not because of the complexity of the games just because the world's got bigger and i think it's very easy to marry on what we see on social media with a decline because ultimately even the the, the the lions still got good engagement despite there being no crowds they're being not sure if it's happening it's still got a lot of attention so i'm not sure people are as um disengaged with the game as they think because you only have to look at the harlequins final you know i don't even like harlequins you know i'm a chiefs fan but jesus christ hats off to them you know that's rugby and no one's disillusions yeah don't look i've said enough don't, don't make me change, but you know, and you know, you see the sevens at World Cup with uh, the Olympics, Fiji. I don't know if people are as dis disillusioned. I just think social media people get lost in those conversations. I mean, I've tried to avoid getting embroiling conversations about rules and the breakdown and things like that as much as I can because it's just a never ending pit of despair, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think mentioning social media is interesting, though, because I don't think the likes of, of, of Richie and Steve Chu are spending any time at all on Twitter wondering what the reaction is. They're, they're, they're out there uh, canvassing and doing what they can and probably getting hold of in investors on that front. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there's also the side of, of what that money is and where that's coming from. And, and I think this may be one of the reasons that they've, they've made the move that they had because my experience with World Tens was you move, you move far enough to show that enough of the uh, basics have been considered. I appreciate we may not have seen all of that yet, but you then talk about the numbers and the interest that you've got you then mm. be looking at the commercial value of it and i know that by the time the tens was taking place last year they were getting phone calls from the directors and and you know <coughs> ceos of major sporting uh, sports ownership bodies saying how much for a franchise and over the course of, of a couple of days the, the valuation on those franchises went up tenfold and all of a sudden they were talking about million pound franchises or million dollar franchises and the thing had only been in existence for about a week in terms of an active product and so there is a there is a way to do it i'm interested because having seen a lot of the inner workings and also been part of the the, the kind of social side of it on the world tens last year as to how they managed to sort of slowly and softly launch themselves and actually have a live product that seemed from what i could tell and i know i was in a bit of an echo chamber but it seemed to curry a bit of favor people seemed to think Do you know what this is a bit different i've quite enjoyed it i'm not entirely sure about it but i haven't i it certainly didn't seem to create the offense levels that that this launch and, and press announcement has made this week and i'm wondering what the what the major difference is there because we only had a, another short format mentioned and, and, and exposed last year mm. it didn't seem to get the animosity that this this has i think a lot of them do don't they i mean rugby has got a lot of stick and you know the, the world the world tens i think you know people people feel like world 10 tens has been part of 
in Hong Kong tennis is one of the most famous events out there. So I think it just fits. But I also think rugby has got so many And it's a format that people play at grassroots level in tournaments yeah. all the time. Yeah, and I think there's other issues. There's other issues. Well, like, where, where should I've our investment be going? I've never played in a 7s tournament either, but I, I can't say I've ever played in a 12s tournament. Well, I know a lot of people who think that World Rugby actually backed the wrong horse by choosing 7s over 10s when they did. Um, so mm. I, I think a lot of people feel that 7s that then has created athletes that don't really have a place in the rest of the game, necessarily. Um, so actually 10s would have been a better hybrid version for, for, for there to be more of that traditional <laughs> grassroots sense of rugby, which is a game for all shapes and sizes, which these days, you know, certainly towards the higher level, is, is not really the case except in a few Cheslin Colby uh, examples. I guess you want you want everyone to kind of, rather than having six half-baked ideas, do something really good that's special, that makes a difference. Like, put that money into the women's game and create professional club rugby for that and do it properly because we're still struggling with men's rugby. Like, put the money somewhere where it's going to really make a difference as opposed to there being all these pockets of different money and different ideas and everyone thinking that rugby is this huge cash cow. Like, why do they think it's a cash cow? None of our clubs make money. None of the, the regions don't seem to work. Um, so no, it I, does, I, I I always say, even where CBC is concerned, I'm like, you guys are obviously very clever at what you do and you've been into F1 and made a ton of money, but I'm still sat here on the sidelines going, can you really make money out of rugby? Because most of the time people have proved that not to be the case. Well, I know I, I I kind of feel the same, and we're all waiting for it. And like, and I've interviewed owners and said, well, when CVC do their thing, I said, what the fuck is their thing? And F1, tell me excited because as far as I was aware, F1 was always freaking massive. Yeah, I always had cigarette brands, always had the biggest brands in the world were in F1, and I'm sure there's going to be loads of people who tell me what they did. But I do want to know the plan because. Well, yeah, the club's also been given their CVC <laughs> pocket money and they've probably all spent it on freshening up the toilets and, and putting a new lick of paint on the stands. And all of a sudden they're like, that didn't last very long. What's... So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced on, on that front. Um, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what sort of, you know, how the next few stages go of this, because they talk about wanting to attract the big names and they're going to have to have, they're going to have to put those feelers out and find out who they can get. And while the world tends was able to snare a few of the, the sort of more well-knowns, the Ben Foden's of the world in, in, in MLR to, to come and play uh, in Bermuda last year, it, there were other conversations with plenty of, of players. You know, Chris Robshaw was very close to playing there. Um, <laughs> to, to Matt Gitto, they'd spoken to Drew Mitchell. All, quite a lot of people were keen from the Southern Hemisphere, but they from, from Australia and New Zealand, they simply couldn't travel because of where the, the pandemic was. And, and where the Sevens players were, having been cut loose by their unions pre-Olympics, a lot of them were feeling, well, I, I'm fairly persona non grata here, and maybe while they're going to look at doing a short-term contract potentially for us when we do return pre-Olympics, maybe we actually now want to look at a world where we then don't, we then don't get put on a massive, you know, or not a massive, uh, a 30 grand annual contract or whatever it might be. We turn around and say, we're very happy to be on this contract for, for nine, eight, nine months of the year. But for the other bit, we want to be free to go and do what we do elsewhere. And that there may be a slight change in the playing market for players and professionals who can go, well, OK, I'm now going to play an MLR season from the, the end of March to the beginning of August. I'll then go and play some 12s, some 10s, some 4s uh, and, uh, and then 
perhaps go and pick up a contract from January in the Premiership when half the team are injured, and I can I can go in and, and get paid yeah, forty grand to, to finish off the season. And actually, I've had my best earning year by being available and effectively a, a professional rugby freelancer. And I know there were quite a quite a few of the, of the certainly the Sevens boys and, and others that that were saying this could be a way to go if more and more of these private equity uh, competitions start springing up. So no different to being a, a cricketer these days, I guess. Then, yeah, exactly. You go from uh, you know you go from IPL to Big Bash to then come over come over here to play either the Blast or or, or now the Hundred. Yeah, and you become just a globe trotter. Yeah, which, and, which and, enhances your value, and all those drafts have an even bigger stake then because you're continuing to add value to yourself in, in, as a proper commodity. And I think if you you know maybe you start that. If there was some, you know, it'd be almost better if someone said, you know what, rugby isn't working. You know, we all tried and we had a good crack at it, but it's not working. Uh, too many people aren't getting paid enough. Too many, the second tiers aren't working and there's only so much money. So we're going to rip it all up. And what we we reckon is actually feasible is that 10 aside, this many teams per country, all those get professional, a bit like an F1, you know, everyone else goes back to amateur and stays, stay in your regions and actually that might give us a sustainable future because what we're doing now, I'd almost, that'd be more believable because <laughs> um, what the other option is the idea of all of those different parties. We we have literally got a world where we've got a Southern Hemisphere and Norm Northern Hemisphere with different weathers, which should be perfectly complementing each other because they're different parts of the world, you know, different climates, but we can't agree that, you know, so... It's the equivalent of, of a city like London expanding organically and being all on top of each other and everywhere and being able to build a nice new town and a new world and, and, and have a grid system, isn't it? There was no opportunity to build this perfectly from the way these from the way things started. So, yeah, I agree, I, I agree with you. It would be lovely to, to completely restart. But um, but, yeah, we're, we're not in that world. Um, but, you'd almost, but you'd almost believe that if people like Chu and Richie said, look, we know how rugby works financially. We know that it doesn't work financially. We know that whilst all that money gets pumped there, all that happens is the money gets thinner and thinner, whilst ultimately the competition with other sports, with other entertainment means that there's less and less people. So actually, here's a blueprint for the future that will make it sustainable because everyone's clinging on to their own thing. And, you know, we, we know our own problems with the premiership. We, we're now trying to, rather than trying to look at, the nation in premiership rugby and say where are the gaps let's make clubs there we take the women's clubs and put them into the same place where the men's are also failing so that we can collectively fail together rather than saying do you know what let's have a women's team in cornwall because they need a side and make them prem and let's have the, me the men's side in exeter because that's two different audiences maybe collectively they could get a bigger audience but instead we'll ask the same people to play more games so there's not much collective thinking that goes on when it comes to these visions so yeah. I'd almost, I would almost believe it more if there was a, a great blueprint, but there was just nothing. It was well, just... I think, I, and I think the the thing is, the closest version to redrawing it and trying to put a new blueprint on it has been the CBC side, because if you can if you can get CBC investing in all of the people that are arguing over the garden fence every year <laughs> to a line, and you go, will you do what we want if we give you a whole pile of cash? Right, that's you on side. That's you, right, Six Nations, yeah, yeah. and they've clearly gone around to try and do that. But when you then see the difference in in something like the Premiership, and I, I spoke to someone well-placed or, or, or someone who was in Prem Rugby um, last year, and they said the problem with the CBC money is that uh, 
it used to be that Premiership Rugby existed to best serve the club for the product, whereas now Premiership Rugby exists to best serve CBC. And and there is a subtle difference there, but I can imagine that that is how, that there are major differences, therefore, in, in how certain decisions are made and, and taken. Uh, so, uh, so I think, yeah, there's clearly money can be put in to try and solve problems, but it also creates problems of its own at the same time. Well, because the only solution is to create a monopoly. And the same conversation happens when I hear people talk about wanting a rugby channel with everything on. Totally makes sense for us as the consumer, but what it creates is a monopoly, which means that everyone, yeah, come on board, buy our product, cost you like 10 quid a year. No, fuck it, quid, have it. And then eventually everyone gets on board and then you realize, ah, got you all now, got rid of all the competition. Now we're going to charge you 200 quid a month. And yeah. that's market forces. And the and that's what, you know, like you said, if CVC, if it was them, uh, if they're the 250 million quid, then you say, oh, well, there's a plan here. And like you said, Nick, yeah, it all, it all folds neatly together. But you just know that's not the case. It's someone taking but a part. Do you, not, do you not think in terms of a strategy, they're they're at least able to say, look, we're and we've got a we've got a we've got a thing over here, and we've got a don't worry, there's a thing. But that there's got to be a level of of non-transparency in order for them to be able to keep certain interested parties at bay without suddenly 25 journalists ringing them and going, I hear you're doing a thing in rugby. What's this about? And they're like, we're not really ready to talk about it yet. I, I, I don't mind the fact that we don't know all the detail yet. Well, you'd have think they'd be a bit further down the line, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have a, a they, they, they just might not be telling us. But you'd have a, you'd have a like, you know, the marketing side of it would be like, well, let's make it look a little bit less shit. Like, <laughs> let's, let's just name cities. Say, like, we're going to have eight cities rather than eight franchises. And... We're, we're gonna we're gonna it's gonna be the london balls or it's gonna be this and like maybe you know i just think you've got to be a bit further down the line because otherwise all it's doing is literally this and and i think that's where the cynicism is not cynicism not even the people think i know there are people who are pulling apart the former i'm not doing that like i don't you know i love 15s and i love sevens and i love you know i can see the value in all the different formats i'm not criticizing the format i'm criticizing the way in which they approach things and that even with those names there, I want to see more of a strategy before or anything. I just want to see some substance because it's just. It, it may be also though that they've 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 had they've decided to come out of the woods because they need to get a steal on anybody else who's who's lining themselves up in the wings as well. That that I think could be a realistic yeah. scenario because as soon as you say we're the twelve <coughs> coming in August twenty twenty two, people go, "Wow, we were planning to come out and yeah. do that in six months and tell people about." So. Anyone else who now makes that move is going to seem you know, secondary to it. And mm. ultimately, so many things I've heard are launching in 22 or 23. Uh, so including the global world calendar by the time we get there. So, uh, yeah, it, it may it may be that they, they wanted to come out with as much as they could. They could throw at the wall and, and make stick with with everyone and, and tell us. But, um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I get where you're coming from in terms of, of the information and, and uh, how polished it actually has looked. It reminds me of a quote uh, from uh, from an old show I watched years ago, which was, um, what you've done is fall somewhere short of mediocre. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can sort of really relate this to is uh, the owner of WWE, Vince McMahon, in 2001 launched an, uh, an American football league to counter the NFL. Because the NFL at the time had massive declining ratings. WWE was the most popular television show in the world at the time. He So he launched his own American football league called the XFL. And all he did was launch a logo and a ball. Had this glitzy press conference. And all he, 
he didn't give any details. Nothing. He couldn't. He couldn't. Mm. So he from off off the back of it's a brilliant ESPN thirty for thirty as well. If you go, uh, he got a phone call from Dick Ebersol, the the founder of NBC Sports, in the car on the way home from the press conference, and said, "I'll put all the money up." <laughs> so maybe, and then in two in twenty seventeen, he did it again. He relaunched the XFL again with just a logo and just a ball. They played half a season because of COVID. <laughs> And they sold it to The Rock and his people for almost a billion dollars. Right then. So, so who's, designed, who's designing the logo and when are we holding the press conference? Yeah. Well, this is it. Let's just launch something. It? You know, money will come somewhere. Exactly. We've got designers and good video people, you know. Yeah, another way this has turned into a brainstorming issue to come up with the next short format rather than... Right, yeah. Yeah. I've already got the survey out to all those Six Nations fans. I'll put it out now, <laughs> waiting for all the results, and then I'll um, we'll, we'll launch. But Nick, you, you say, can be the voice of it, no problem. They've announced today that they've already had conversations with franchise potential franchise owners in the last yeah. 24 hours. Yeah, they So said perhaps it was a case of we're going to launch a logo and we're going to launch a concept. We're going we're gonna to throw it out there. And we're going to find out what happens because I, in six months' time, nothing happens. It can fizzle out, and all we've done is launch the logo. Yeah, I dare say that's exactly that's exactly part of it because uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the same people who were picking up the phone to the tens last year are picking up the phone now um, to, to the twelves uh, and saying, you know, we're, "We're we're the people behind this massive international football team or this global NHL franchise or NFL franchise, whatever it is." And yeah, so. Uh, there's, there's definitely a side to that, but it's also it's very nice to be able to say uh, we've got ten people, we've got over ten people who've spoken to us, um, hoping that actually those first ten people are going to call in the next twenty four hours because because that's your PR strategy. But yeah, and then once they've got all the money, they'll ask the ten fans that have signed up to their database who are going to form the. Uh, they say, guys, uh, so um, Sean, uh, just say uh, what, what, what what the fuck are we going to do now? We've <laughs> got the money. <laughs> She's got no idea what to do with this. None of the players have signed up. The coaches won't. The fact that the unions are against us. We're not even sure we can use the name rugby. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll sign up. I'll sign up. In the press release. Look, and as I said, I haven't read too much because I kind of wanted to avoid it. A bit like the 100 until I saw it. Um, they don't, they don't use the word rugby in the press conference, in the press release much at all. So is that a ploy? To, I mean, it does, uh, it does yeah, probably have new World 12s rugby tournament launches. Uh, but I know that, but, that yeah. language, the, language was something... The language of the press release is probably mentioned four times. Yeah, I know that it, I know that the 10s were quite, quite keen to observe their language quite carefully in terms of what they called certain things. Are we calling it a try? Are we calling it a touchdown? There was there was a fair amount of discussion of these things, because, like I said earlier, how much do you do you need and, and do you remain dancing to the to the beat of the drum that, that comes out of out of Dublin? Um, and uh, and how much do you do you take an opportunity to do your own thing? And how much does it start to come into a, a monopoly legal battle if you're saying well we've come we've come up with a new product that has the chance to reach new audiences and we may use some of the players that currently exist in rugby union and you're trying to stop us doing this is this is 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 that actually allowed so it, it it's a it's a complex issue on many fronts uh and 
and yeah, so I, I think it'll be interesting. And it's also people saying, oh, 192 players and where they, they're not going to get a whole load of global stars. Well, my experience last year was if you get two or three per team, then actually you're really interested to see how they get on. And you're interested to see who the other people are and how they're playing. And I got familiar with a whole load of, load of players last year that, that it was quite good fun to watch, but also to see how much the how much Dan Norton and Tom Mitchell could could help combine with a couple of lesser known players and actually that age old question is 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 a player who's seemingly a four out of ten but you put them in a team full of nine and ten nine and tens out of ten actually turns out that they're they're a seven or eight out of ten and it was just me, I might get a gig. they were in a poor team. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just also hard to get the without the big players though it's hard to get people behind the teams. Well, yeah, it is. I think the, didn't, is, like, the, hundred, the hundred had that, didn't it? The, the hundred only the, the test match players, so the players that are playing on the televisions week in week out for England, only played on the first weekend. Hmm. So you you were brought in by your Ben Stokeses and and guys like that, and then then it was kind of well now now you have to find out about these new guys and girls. Yeah. So well, actually, I think it's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? I think people are willing to do so. Uh, and I, I think there would be between MLR players, people out of Super Rugby season, uh, those who may not feel they've got a major role to play in the new Premiership season starting in a September. Uh, as I said, sevens. Mm. Uh, there's, I think there's a there's a smattering of people across. Could it also be a shop window then for those four out of ten players playing? Absolutely. Well, that was one of the things that the tens was doing is that they they're aiming to hold, uh, you know, not not so much just drafts, but also opportunities for players to come and, and train and and have an opportunity to put themselves forward to be selected for it. And and they were thinking of having these combines, um, and probably still are not you know, not only at the states, which is where the investors were largely based, but across the world. And what if you're going to India ahead of hosting the next stage of the tens in Delhi and you do a combine and you're releasing six new players that you found that are ridiculous athletes from whatever they've been doing, but have barely you know, got familiar with the game. And, and you, you do that across the world and start to see these people coming through from areas that world rugby, because ultimately it's about their relationship with about seven or eight rich unions and, and not too much genuine interest in the rest at times, it seems, um, then then actually what could someone be doing in terms of, of really tapping into uh, uh, or, or untapped areas of the world in terms of where talent might lie to, to get on a rugby pitch? And, and that side of things, I think, is exciting to be able to, to, to find people from new territories. Twelves hasn't necessarily said it might do that. But, um, yeah, all of that, all of that, I feel that there are lots of areas like that that the disruption is is ripe for for finding more on yeah no no i look i i'd agree i mean look i don't think we've ever gone the right way in rugby have we we've never necessarily made the right decisions i mean when we went professional that that was forcing the hand of clubs and i think it was frank Carter at the time who suggested regions or counties which actually might not have been a bad idea so you know who who knows i and it's it is going to take a lot you know you you see even like recently Cardiff changing their name from blues to thing and they couldn't even make that that region as such work in a franchise format so it takes a lot more so they will have to base it around the city or they go to places what's the biggest city that doesn't have a major sporting team oh is that a quiz question I'm not no, sure. a, that's a good quiz question for, well, for your next one for the next uh, quiz Nick. yeah <laughs> yeah 
And we'll find okay, out. Hopefully some there. Like it could be, I don't know, Milton Keynes or somewhere. But Guildford. <laughs> but they've tried that, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. As an AFC Wimbledon fan, yeah, this is sort of subject. No, I think we've picked I think we've picked this apart enough. I think we I think everything we need to do is now wait and see uh, if Nick is right and there's three other three or four other things like this lined up, then it's gonna be an interesting <coughs> twelve months for the sport. Uh personally I think I'd probably rather spend the money on, on the women's game and, and, and the grassroots yeah, game. I, I, I would have liked to have seen that at the fourth. Um, and, and it's interesting invest into a sevens tournament where that's your Olympic bread and butter. Yeah, that's well, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, so much uncertainty about the sevens too that that needs mm. addressing. Yeah. I think that's probably why another one coming out when those aren't addressed um has sort of you know, it's unsettled people, isn't it? Really, I think that's what people what happens to people. They get unsettled when they see something. And from my side, it's fine to unsettle, but just do it with substance, um, and not with an old boy holding a random rugby ball and thinking we're going to get excited. You know. But uh, anyway, Excellent. cool. Well, look, I really appreciate your time, gents. Uh, no worries. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming up with the idea, Alex and Nick. No thanks for uh, catching up, Nick. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Pleasure, boys. Enjoyable. See you on the uh, World Twelve Circuit uh, next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you, we'll see you in Milton Keynes. Is that a sentence that anyone's ever really said? <laughs> yeah. not, even, not even people who live in Milton Keynes. <laughs> Lovely. Cheers, chaps. We'll uh, uh, take care, guys. Catch you all soon. Thank you very Cheers. much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.